Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Well, our Bible reading this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3 and verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family, or all fatherhood, in heaven and on earth, derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So today is Father's Day. I even had a card from one of my three adult children reminding me of the fact, which doesn't always happen. It isn't a Christian festival, but it does give us an opportunity to reflect on the characteristics of our Father God, which many of our songs and what we've been doing up to now in the service actually have been picking up as well. So the concept of God as our Father is deeply rooted in the Gospels and throughout the New Testament. The passage that we just read began with this statement that all fatherhood, the Greek can mean both every family and all fatherhood in heaven on earth, derives its name. The very concept of fatherhood comes from God who is the Father. And of course, Jesus majored on it in his ministry. And it's easy for us to forget, living after the coming of Jesus, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that in the Old Testament, when God was revealing himself through the people of Israel, there was nothing like so much a developed concept of the fatherhood of God. It's only used 13 times in the Old Testament, a reference to God as Father. Apparently, I didn't look them all up, I must admit. Um, because in that time, of course, God was not known by everybody in the way he can be today. As Christians have a personal relationship with God our Father. That wasn't the case for all the people of Israel. There were certain people who were specifically anointed by God. The, some of the kings, the prophets, and those who wrote the books of the, of the uh, Old Testament. But most people didn't know that intimate relationship with God. So this was something that was radically new when Jesus came and started to teach us about it and demonstrate it in his ministry. So he taught us to pray, our Father, which we've just done. Philip came to him and said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father, because he perfectly demonstrated the Father's characteristics. So we have a whole new understanding of fatherhood from Jesus' ministry. However, we may have a problem. If we had fathers who were neglectful or absent or abusive, then it's easy for us to have our concept of fatherhood damaged by that and to project some of those characteristics onto God as we think of him as our father. And if anyone had that experience in childhood, uh, that's a very understandable and damaging thing to happen. And inevitably, then, there may be difficulties in us understanding God as our Father. So it's good to look at the characteristics of God as Father and remind ourselves of what they are. 
And we have to begin with fundamentally remembering that God is the first person of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, we reference that, incidentally, every time we say the grace. The words of the grace are actually a quotation from 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. Because it's often pointed out that, that Scripture doesn't explicitly teach the doctrine of the Trinity, that perhaps most mysterious of Christian doctrines, but it's deeply embedded within it. And this is just one verse that uh, reminds us of that. So God the Father is in this eternal relationship with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, what some theologians have called an eternal cosmic dance of love. And this is important because it reminds us that God didn't have to create us. God did not need to be our Father. He is completely fulfilled in this eternal trinity that is the foundational reality of the universe. And this also reminds us, very importantly, that that, that is the foundational reality of the universe. It's not the gravitational, electromagnetic, nuclear forces. Those are important and are put in place by God to help the planets to stay in their orbits and everything to be as it should so that life can develop here on Earth. But the fundamental reality that underlies everything is a loving relationship, the loving personal relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's from out of that love, that loving relationship, that God has created us and that God is our Father. And uh, one could go into a whole lot more detail about that and talk about how the very structure of creation and the orbiting of the uh, planets around the sun, the moons around the planets, the orbiting of electrons within the atom around neutrons and protons and so on, in some ways reflect the Trinitarian nature of reality and the love that binds everything together. So what then are the key characteristics of God as our Father? Well, fundamentally, of course, and again, we've been singing about this already in our service, God the Father loves his children because God is love. And our Ephesians passage that we read at the beginning talked about how deep and wide and long and high, how infinite, in fact, is the love of Christ, the love of God, the love of God the Father. This is unconditional and unceasing love love that desires restorative justice, that desires peace and harmony amongst people and freedom from oppression, and all these things that we believe in and stand for and strive for as Christians. It all comes from the father love of God. And it's so easy for us to somehow qualify that. And the church sometimes through the ages has got itself tangled up with buts and ands and ifs. There are no buts and ands and ifs. God's love is unconditional without any ifs, ands, or buts. So lots of verses, of course, in the New Testament refer to this. Um, Jesus says in Luke, if you then, though you are evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mike was preaching on this verse and others uh, not so long ago, uh, pointing out that God wants to give himself to us. He wants to reveal himself to us wants to give us his Holy Spirit. We just need to ask and to receive with the open hands of faith. And then uh, a well-known verse when we're talking about the fatherhood of God, uh, this quotation from Romans 8, 15, by him, that's the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is um, an Aramaic word 
rather than a Greek word, which is what the New Testament was written in, of course. Um, so it doesn't exactly translate, but as you've probably heard, many people regard it as somewhat equivalent to the English term daddy, a term of intimacy and affection between father and child. More recently, I think that's been questioned a little bit, and some commentators are saying, well, it does imply that intimacy, but it also appropriately implies a very deep reverence, a very deep respect for the father. So although it's an intimate term, it's also a very respectful term. But whatever, it's reminding us of the privilege we have of referring to God as our father. Picture as one of warmth and compassion between a father and his young child. And then, of course, the uh, famous passage from the first letter of John, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God the Father is love. His love for us is constant and unchanging. And then, of course, God protects his children. Now, this is fundamentally talking about a spiritual protection. It's not that we are protected from illness, accident, war, strife, martyrdom, all these things that may come upon us if we're following the Lord and come upon all human beings just as a result of the fallen world. We're not immune to those, but God is with us through those and will keep us from spiritual harm, seeking to work everything for good, is that famous verse in Romans 8 says. So whatever happens to us, although it may be painful and difficult uh, at the time, God can still use it to help us grow, to help us more, know more of his love. And there may be occasions when we do see God's hand actually protecting us in a physical, material way. I can certainly think of a few instances in my life when that has happened, when just from the human perspective, it's possible I would have died or been killed, but God intervened and that didn't happen. But that doesn't always happen. It's important to be clear about this. Um, and sometimes God seems to deliver some people, some group of people and not others, and we don't understand these things. But what we can understand through scripture is that God will protect us spiritually. We're safe in his hands, in his arms. Our souls are safe. Whatever may happen to our bodies, our souls are safe with him. So as human fathers, those of us who are such, we have some responsibility to try to protect our children when they're, when they're young, to look after them and care for them as God cares for us. And then God provides for his children, of course. It's good to be thankful for everything that we have. Here in a country of Western Europe, a rich country, we're well provided for, even those of us who perhaps would regard ourselves as poor in the spectrum of our society. We generally have enough to eat, we have shelter, we have the things that we need for life. And uh, that's incidentally why food bank is so important, because there are those falling through gaps in our society, and it's good that the church can be there to help pick them up, pick up those gaps, feed those who can't afford to buy food from time to time. So just as a human father seeks to provide for the family in traditional terms, God provides for us. Book of James reminds us every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So God's concern and protection is constant 
and never changes or varies. And then, importantly, God the Father teaches and trains his children, just as part of the biblical responsibility of human fathers is to teach and train their children, to bring them up in a way to be respectful and so on. God wants us to grow in him, to learn more of him, to respond to his teaching and discipline. Uh, we're told in this same book of Ephesians, fathers do not exasperate your children, instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And then Jesus told us, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. So here, living as we are, as I said, in the, the era when the Holy Spirit has been poured out, he is always on hand to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to help us understand and in our hearts grasp more of God's infinite love and what he would have us do in his obedient service. And then a famous passage in the book of Hebrews, talking about God's discipline, which is part of him teaching and training us. Endure hardship as discipline. God is teaching you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit? to the Father of our spirits, and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought blessed. <clears throat> but God disciplines us for our good, that we might share in his holiness. So the events of our life, the things that we encounter, the difficulties we meet, are all about God teaching and training us to be better followers of Jesus and better to grasp the Father's love. So... This means, very importantly, that our identity as people is fundamentally that we are children of God. We're people made in his image, but more than that, we are his children. God has called us his children. So how we understand ourselves should be primarily from that basis. It's not about our job, our education, our talents, our income, our house, all these things which so easily we can fall into the world's way of thinking so having things like this somehow prove we've made it as human beings, prove that we're successful, and so on. That's not to say God doesn't want to use the things that we have uh, developed in our lives. Of course, he wants to use our education. He wants to use our skills and talents. It's not that we should deny them, but it's that our identity is not fundamentally built upon those things. It's built upon the fact that we are made in God's image and that God is our Father. And if we come to know this at a deep experiential level, it gives us a security that establishes us as, as people, individuals who stand before him as his children. But more than that, enables us to be there for others who may be going through difficulties and trouble. <clears throat> One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So that's saying as we experience that deep compassion of God, that deep fatherhood love of God, 
It comforts us no matter what we may be going through. And if we've experienced that in our lives, it gives us something perhaps almost indefinable, but it's something that others may recognize, that we can draw alongside others and sometimes without words just be there for them. And the comfort we ourselves have received from God can be transmitted to them. And I've heard many stories of people who've come to Jesus because somebody's been there for them, somebody who knew Jesus, has listened to them, has cared for them, hasn't preached to them, just been there for them. And the comfort that that person had received from God is passed to the one who's in trouble and coming for help. So the fatherhood of God is fundamental to who we are, to our understanding of God, to our understanding of the love shown to us through Jesus, to be the motivating force for all that we seek to do in serving him in our lives here and now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can call you our Father. Thank you for this amazing privilege. Thank you for the depth, height, breadth, infinite nature of your love. Pour that love again and again into our hearts, we pray, that we may be better able to serve you, better able to share your love with those who need it in our hurting and broken world. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.